series on the book of Psalms. How many of you read the book of Psalms in the room? Okay. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to announce that I'm going to challenge you uh, as the, the initiator of this uh, sermon series. Uh, this summer, we are wanting to commit to reading the book of Psalms in 50 days. How many of you does that excite you? Okay, good. Um, so, fortunately for us, whoever put together the Bible decided only to put 150 psalms in instead of thousands because I'm sure there's more things that they wrote. So, you're welcome from them. Uh, so, what we're going to do, what I learned in the monastic tradition, that's uh, monks, if you catch my drift, um, they would read the psalms and recite them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So, what we're going to do is we're going to do what the monks do. We are going to read a psalm for every meal that we eat. Does that sound good? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, my job this morning was to envision you for that. So if you're good, then we're done. <laughs> um, so made my job really easy. No. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to go through Psalm 1 just to get one out of the way. So you're in charge of the 149 others. I'm in charge of Psalm 1. So you're welcome. Really excited to jump into this book, but before we do, I need to give you a few ground rules. Number one, the P is silent. When you say song, you might be confused, but the P is silent. It's like pterodactyl or pneumonia. Number two, be careful when referencing the book of Psalms when you are using it in a singular notion. So if you were to say, hey, you know, the other day I was reading in Psalms 4. No, no, you were not. You were reading Psalm 4. You're not reading Psalms 4. But with those two facts out of the way, we will get started. Um, how many of you know, yeah, can I get an amen for that one? I know it bugs you too, so that's why I say it, just to get it out there. How many of you know that the book of Psalms is the mixtape of the church? How many of you know what a mixtape is? So a, a compilation of songs from different artists that are communicating with an intention or a purpose. So let me give you a little story. I don't know if you know how I fell in love with my wife. Have you heard this story before? Oh, okay. Well, I will I'll tell you. Zach mentioned this, but I'm the, the proudest member of the Fighting Texas Aggie class of 2011. Um, and I got a little story for you, Ags. There you go. Uh, so I am on a bus headed to an in, incoming freshman orientation with a camp called Impact, which is a, a camp designed to help people get community in a new place like Aggie where the spirit is near to be told. Um, that's all of the Aggie-isms that I'm going to use the rest of this, this sermon. So if you're confused by now, just know that we are a people in a foreign land and we fight for <laughs> our traditions. Um, so I'm on this bus and we're playing a game and it's, it's a speed dating game where you walk around the bus, which is a very like unsafe game when you think about it, when you're on a bus walking around. You should not do that. But you do it sometimes when you're with a bunch of people. And I saw this girl. And it was if I saw Moses sitting in the front of the bus, her face in the And I just awaited the opportunity for my turn to speak with her. 
And I'm, so I'm just waiting, really ignoring the people I'm talking to, not really interested in who they are. You shouldn't do that. But I get to her, and I'm so excited. And I just go, hey, my name's Steven. How you doing? And she goes, how you doing? My name's Katie. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if you had that happen where you liked a girl, but then some Southeast Texas flair came out and you were like, I'm not sure I can handle this. Um, I didn't see any cow boots on, so I was like, cow boots, cow boots. Um, and I, I just, I had one thing that I was like, this is a non-negotiable in my heart. I don't know if you know me, but I, I very, I disdain country music. That's just the one thing that I cannot handle. Um, I, I fir- well, not the only thing. I, I firmly believe that there are three things in this world that should never have existed. Uh, and that is country music, tuna, I forget the other one. Something, something else should not exist. Um, what is that thing? I don't know. Um, but yeah, and so I just ask her a lot. So great to meet you, Katie. Uh, hey, I'm just wondering, do you, do you like country music? And she said, Well, no. I I listen to slam poetry and screamo. <laughs> this is a woman for me. <laughs> and so I just decided from that moment on that I'm in. If if I can convince her to be in then this is going to <laughs> And so what did I do? I stole her phone number off of a sign-in sheet on the bus. and gave her a call when we got to A&M, and I just said, hey, it's Steven from the bus. Not sure if you remember me, but I can lift things. I can do anything you need. Just let me know. And she was like, okay, great. So I got a call back. The call back was to move a bed for her roommate. I said, I would love to move her bed. The next call was to move laundry from the third floor down into her car. Yes, absolutely. I will do anything for you. Well, I need this. I'm here. I'm available. And I'm not even going to class. Whatever you need. Um, I found out later in a relationship. Relationship. It wasn't really a relationship. I just had her number. But she mentioned that she played tennis. And so the next semester I signed up to learn how to play tennis. I took a tennis class. Made my roommate take a class with me. And just so... The next time she brought up tennis, I could just say, wait, I play tennis. You should go play tennis. So we played tennis, and I wrote a song, and the, the song is titled, It All Started Love, Love. Uh, I think about tennis. I'll share that with you later. Our relationship progressed. I started working at K&M Student Radio. I had the midnight to 2 a.m. shift. We had about four average listeners a night because the only way you could pick up that station is if you were driving through the student center. So, but what would I, I would spend my midnight to 2 a.m. doing is burning all of their CDs to find obscure songs about love to put on CDs to give to Katie. And I don't know, how many of you have burned a CD for someone? There's like, okay, thank you, gosh. I'm gonna be honest this morning, surely more of us. How many of you have burned a second one and a third one, you just kept doing it but not getting anything back? 
At what point does it get awkward when you don't get any reciprocation on the mixtapes? I feel like it gets pretty awkward after the third one. For me. And then finally, one day, one glorious morning, I receive one at lunch. And she hands me a mixtape. I don't even know what it said, but I just knew we were going somewhere. And she, when she had done that. So, uh, fast forward the story. Uh, we got married. We've been married six years. She's not here, uh, which is perfect because now your story is true. <laughs> uh, what happened? But why do I share that? I share that because I, I feel like if we look at the book of Psalms, we're being given a picture of someone else's worship, their poetry, their songs that they're bringing before the Lord. And we're getting to enter into it in some way to actually communicate our own love and affection for God. Uh, the book of Psalms is actually this, this book that helps train us in our language with God. Uh, so when you read the book of Psalms, we're actually allowed to pray what the psalmist prays. And it actually informs and affects the way that we view God and how we uh, see our relationship with him. So it gives us a great picture. I want to share a, uh, a quote from good old Timothy Keller. It says this, it says, every situation in life is represented in the book of Psalms. Psalms anticipate and train you for every possible spiritual, social, and emotional condition. They show you what the dangers are, what you should keep in mind, what your attitude should be, how to talk to God about it, and how to get from God the help you need. I love that the Psalms give, give us access into people's prayer life that looks exactly like this. I don't know if you've read the Psalms and never walked away and you're like, wow, David is really mad about something. Or, wow, David really messed up. Or, wow, David has a heart for the Lord and he trusts him like within his sorrow. I just feel like every time I'm going to the Psalms, I'm realizing that God's wanting to show me a picture of what a relationship with him looks like. And it, it's, it is kind of weird that we're given this picture of this guy's prayer life. We're literally, he wrote it down, and now we read it. Like, that's kind of weird. Like, we're reading somebody's journal with God every day when we read the book of Psalms. But when we get past the awkwardness, we're like, wow, we're being discipled in our relationship with God every time we come before it. This is a real person that related with God. And for some reason, God chose to, to have it in the Bible so that we might have an example of what that looks like. Two of the things that are represented mostly within the Psalms are praise and laments. So who of you are like, you're a, you're a, a praiser. You're just like, you go crazy, you jump, when we worship, Steve Hill, I see you back there. I don't see your hand, but I know you're one of those praisers. How many of you are lamenters? Or you're just like, you weep before the Lord, and that's all you know how to do. <laughs> Anyone? Okay, we got one back there. And I, I feel like when you read the Psalms, I, I read somewhere that over 70% of the Psalms are comprised of lament, which is kind of shocking when you think of it, because we're, like the church is literally like, every morning, all of us open up our Bible, and if you don't have any vision for what you're doing in quiet time, you're probably going through the Psalms. Let's, <laughs> let's be real. And you're opening to a book where 70% of the time they're complaining about their situation and they're really upset. For some reason, that connects deeply with us because there's something in us that's not right and uh, is either we have absent of rest or we have something going on that's frustrating. Uh, we have anger issues. We have things going on that are not okay. 
we connect with that because it's so real, it's so vulnerable, and it shows us not this picture of relationship with God that's unattainable, but it's actually, no, I can do that. I can do exactly what David does. One thing I want to do this morning is go through Psalm 1, so we're going to read that right now. So get excited. All right. Says this, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. But they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So Lord, thank you for this word. I just ask as we look at it and we look into the book of Psalms, we just ask, would you God, cause us, just as this psalmist wrote, to delight in you, to delight in your word, to meditate on it day and night. We pray the next 50 days, God would change us as we uh, have you inform our prayer language, inform our praise, inform our limits, God. We give you the next 50 days, we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What I love about the beginning of Psalms is you would probably think that the book of Psalms starts with a Psalm of David. But this, this psalm is actually unknown who the author is. It's an anonymous psalm. Uh, there are roughly, uh, scholars say, around eight people who wrote psalms. And they range from David, Asaph, who was a, a worship leader and a Levitical priesthood. There were the sons of Korah, who were also uh, in the priesthood. And they would manage things around the temple and the tent of meeting. And then there are other psalms that are usually just a, a one or there's like Psalm 90 who's from Moses uh, and, and many other uh, anonymous people. And so I love that the book of Psalms starts with some anonymous dude that we don't, none of us know. I love the picture that he gives us because when, when you read Psalm 1, what you kind of come away with is there's this anonymous individual who's delighting in the law of the Lord. The law represents the Torah, which is the five books that begin the Old Testament. And so he's saying that he delights in the word that God has given and the history of God revealing himself to the kingdom of God. So that's what he's communicating when he's saying law. He's not saying necessarily doing good things, that he delights in doing good things. It's he's, He delights in the revelation of God through the kingdom of God that he's come and communicating himself to. There's this anonymous individual that's delighting in God in what seems to be a godless culture or a godless place. What I want to do right now from the beginning is how you look at Psalm, the end of Psalms. So go to 148, 149, 150. And I want you, just whoever's the quickest, to tell me what is something that comes out when you read that part, when you read the ending. Yeah, you see praise as the main theme that ends the book of Psalms. And not only praise, but it's an enveloping praise that calls all of creation into praise. What does is, what is the last verse say in the book of Psalms? Scream it aloud. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on! Yeah. 
many of you know that's how the story ends? Everything that has breath will praise the Lord. Yeah. That the, the book of Psalms is giving us a picture of, of the history of the people of God. That that for for most of us we end up somewhere in the middle, but what we realize is that there in the beginning is a, a loneliness uh, of individuals who are worshiping God in a godless culture, and then it ends with the culture of the kingdom of God enveloping the world in everything that has breath praising Him. And so the book of Psalms gives us a good journey through looking at not just our own personal lives, but the story of God that's happening among us and in our midst. And so when you look at the book of Psalms, what you'll see are lament and praise. Uh, as you walk through the Psalms, you'll slowly begin to see that there is less lamenting and more praising as you get to the end. Which I think is fitting for most of our experiences is that we go from a place of sorrow and God exchanges it for joy. He's always giving us something new for what we're experiencing. Does that make sense? Thanks, Alan. Warren. Vaya Cohen. Con Dios. Con Dios, Okay, Psalm 1. Let's go. Uh, actually, no, let me, let me read a quote for you real quick. That's a great quote. Uh, this, I have a Russian dude living with me right now. How many of you have a Russian dude living with you right now? <laughs> cool. Um, well, so I was like, well, I want to look up what do the Russians have to say about the book of Psalms. And I found this, I found this quote from this guy. His name is Anatoly Sharnansky. Um, he, was, he was a famous mathematician and chess player in the Soviet Union, and he had a love for the, the Bible. He had a love for the Old Testament. He learned Hebrew, and he decided one day, you know what, I want to immigrate to Israel. And whoever was the leader of the day was like, that's a horrible idea, and you're going to jail. And so they put him in jail, and all he had in jail was his Hebrew, Old Testament, Book of Psalms. That's all he had. Uh, so he's studying in the Hebrew the book of Psalms. And so this is what he says. He says while he was reading it, gradually while reading the Psalms, or the Passalms, as I have put here, that's the, that's the Hebrew, um, my feeling of great loss and sorrow changes to one of bright hopes. Come on. In my lonely cell, walked alone with the Psalms of David, I have found expression for my innermost feelings in the outpourings of the King of Israel thousands of years ago. I love that. And I read a story about him and it said that the, his guards were so frustrated with him that he would read the Psalms and he was studying them that they took his Bible away and they would not give it back to him. And so one day when they were outside, which thinking about being in a Soviet gulag prison, like not a very good place to be, but then not a very good place to be outside. It's probably very cold. And what, what, what they said in the book that I read was that Anatoly laid himself down in the snow and said, I'm not moving until you give me back my book. And I just want you to imagine laying in snow in like the Siberian tundra asking for your Bible back. Like and how much this guy longed to delight in God's word. And I was just, I was really challenged by that. And um, yeah, so there's the Russian guy. Um, what I what I love about the book of Psalms is that it's one of the most unifying books of the Bible for the church as a whole. Um, so there, I, I mentioned the monastic tradition and the Anglican tradition. Uh, there's a monthly liturgy that walks through all 150 Psalms, 
which I think is incredible that they walked through it in a month. I'm giving you guys 50 days, they did it in 30. Uh, and then even in the Roman Catholic tradition, there, uh, before they could be ordained to be a priest, they would recite the Psalms weekly. And so that was, that was a practice that they had that was a like not just a recognition, but a requirement for priests is that they would recite the Psalms weekly. Can you imagine reading the Book of Psalms every week? That's amazing. Um, I just love that stuff. Okay, so we're going to Psalm 1, verse 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. And so you kind of get this idea of posture, that there's a walking, there's a standing, and there's a sitting. And I, I think something, just as I, I just see this, which is this something that we do every time we read the Bible, we want to know why he's saying what he's saying. And I think when you approach the Psalms, they're very poetic, and so there's a lot of meaning put into a lot of what they're saying. So you kind of have to dig a little bit. Um, but what I love about this is it kind of has this picture of a threefold, um, threefold understanding of, of what it looks like to, to live in this life. I think the first one, uh, walking in the counsel of the wicked, I think we are all receiving some form of cultural view from our world that's telling us how things work. And we have the choice to accept its storyline, or or look at look to God for His story and what He speaks about, what is true. Um, uh, nor stand in the path of sinners. This one's kind of interesting to us because we're like standing in the path of sinners. Kind of sounds like I reject you. I'm like blocking your path. But in in Old Testament culture, um, when you had a rabbi standing in his way was a way of giving yourself to the teaching of that person. And so this is saying, they're standing in the path of sinners, is in saying, I want to be discipled by someone who's not going to come. Um, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. And this is something that kind of communicates a willingness and, and participation within um, the ways of the world. And so this is kind of like what you're receiving, how it's affecting your thinking and your givenness to it, and then acting out. And what I, what I love about the next verse is it shows us kind of the opposite, it says, he's not these things, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And it doesn't go into multiple, this is, this is what it is, it doesn't say three things, he says one thing. He says, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And I just, I love that, and I feel like this passage right here is, is the reason we want to jump into the book of Psalms and read it. We want God to stir our affections and delight in his word and his revelation. And so, if you're here this morning and you weren't one of those people that were like, "Yeah, commitment," like, just want to, yeah, just want to be challenged to do something, like in July, um, right after a message about Sabbathing, um, you know, I, I, I just want to tell you wholeheartedly, our heart is to see you delighting in Jesus. Our heart is—that's the only thing we want. We don't want you to feel this pressure if you miss a week, you miss a day, you miss a month. Honestly, our, our one desire is that you would grow in your affection for Jesus and you would delight in his word. And that's that's what our desire is in, in committing to this. This is a behavior, but it, the value is what's important. We want to love Jesus, and this is a way we can do that. When you look at the Psalms, uh, you might run into situations where you're like, David is really angry right now. 
Uh, and sometimes he curses people. You know, what do you do with that? Like, how does Jesus think about when David says he wants God to kill somebody or things like that? And it's very serious. And a lot of scholars are very confused as to how to how to preach out of the Psalms, how to salvage and reconcile what's communicated in there. And what I come away with in my study is the fact that we are giving, being given access into someone's prayer life. And it's something that David is giving to the Lord. Um, how many of you know David had a rough life? He was on the run a lot. He, at, at the beginning, they wouldn't even consider him for king. His family kind of disowned him, put him out in the shepherd's field, and didn't bring him in when the, the prophet said, there's a new king out of your lineage. He lived for a long time, decades, until he actually was appointed king. But when he was appointed king, the previous king got mad and started throwing spears at him and stuff. I've never had a spear thrown at me, but I don't know how I would respond. I probably, I don't know what I'd do, honestly. He ran away into a cave somewhere and then uh, wrote these songs. I don't know. Um, not what I would have done. I don't know. I don't know what you would have done. Uh, and then uh, his son, after he becomes king, tries to overthrow his rule and then attacks him as well. And so you just imagine from all these fronts, his father, the king, his son, David has gone through a lot of struggle. And I know for a lot of us, we've probably had issues with our family. We've probably had issues with the government or the culture that we're surrounded in. But we've probably had issues with people that are related to us in some way or another. Maybe you're a disciple and trying to throw a screw at you. I don't know. Um, but relationships are, are difficult. And what I, what I love is that David brings all of this frustration and anger before the presence of God and lays it at his feet. And most of his psalms he ends with, I trust you to bring justice to my situation. And I love that in David's heart, he's laying down his vengeance before the Lord in his personal prayer life. And how many times did David withhold giving judgment? There was one time he found Saul, who was the appointed king, sleeping, and he didn't, didn't take him out. He, he like cut something off and had mercy on Saul because Saul was, was the king. And I just love that because you read these passages and you're like, David's saying, kill him, Lord, kill him, Lord. And he doesn't do it himself. And I think that's something for us to learn is that God wants us to bring our anger and anger and frustrations before him so that we can process our own emotions with God. God wants to hear all of those things. He doesn't just want our perfect prayers. How many of you have been in a prayer circle? Uh, and how many times am I going to say how many of you? Um, but you've been in a prayer circle and someone's praying and you're like, you know what? This is the perfect opportunity for me to figure out what I'm going to pray after. <laughs> I'm going to find the best theologically sound prayer right after him. I'm just going to one-up him. Like, kind of like that, I don't know, the dude that was like, well, I walked on the moon. Like, what was your prayer? Um, so, I mean, you, you just sit there and you're in your mind thinking of what is the best prayer that would please God and impress all my friends. And you like change, you got like, like thesaurus.com going on in your head, like, you're like, God, you're massive. No, you're, you're great. You're, you're big. Like, you're looking for the best word. And, and it's like, God's hearing you the whole time. He just sitting there like, you gonna, you gonna listen to that dude that's praying over there? Pouring out his heart? You wanna disagree with him? Maybe you don't have an amen or a, mm, yeah. Um, and, 
what I want to ask is, how much of that infiltrates your own personal prayer life? Trying to make sure God knows that you know the best words about Him, Mike. And I do, I do the same thing. And I just feel like God knows the heart. God wants us to come before Him. I, I'm even right now, I'm going to give you an example of something I've been doing very often in my prayer life. You grab Jeremy's guitar. Say more. <laughs> this is something I've been doing often in my prayer life. Help. Help me, Jesus. That's it. And I'll just do that over and over and over again until I understand my need for God. And so the first time I sing it, I probably laugh because it's ridiculous. Um, and why am I making it into a song? But as I continue to do it, I acknowledge my need for Jesus and I get back to that place. Okay. You're welcome. Okay, give me a hand. <laughs> We don't have to make our prayer life complicated because God knows everything about us. He knows what, what's going on. And God has a probably the highest tolerance for your prayer life. Like anything you would say in prayer, he would probably be able to take it. Does that make sense? Like if you read the book of Psalms, his tolerance is very high for whatever you have to say to him. <laughs> I'm going to read another quote. This is from a guy. His name is Dan. It says this. To whom do you vocalize the most intense and irrational anger? Would you do so with someone who could fire you or cast you out of a cherished position or relationship? Not likely. You don't trust them. You don't believe they will endure the depths of your disappointment and confusion. The person who hears your lament and far more bears your lament against them is someone you deeply, wildly trust. The language of lament is oddly the shadow side of faith. So what he's saying is when you look at the Psalms and we see David spending 70% of his time lamenting, what's that what that is communicating is that David trusts that God can take it. David trusts that God can answer him when he asks God to move. And not only that, David understands that God's delight is in him. That, that's why we see David is a, a man after God's own heart. Is It's not on David, it's all on God and God's delight in David, and David understands that, and he comes into the revelation that God cares for me, and he, I can trust him, and so I can bring him everything. One of my main desires in preaching this morning is to communicate that God wants you to receive spiritual wholeness. Um, and usually we have some kind of imagination that we've conjured up of what spiritual wholeness looks like, and it is inconsistent when we look at the book of Psalms. So many of us, spiritual wholeness looks like my life is all together. I know where I'm going for lunch. I, I know that my friends love me. I know I'm, I'm happy. My praise, God honors my praise. Even when I don't feel like praising, I'm gonna praise him. That kind of, that kind of understanding of God. And what I, I see spiritual wholeness as is the, the invitation of God into all of my life into every aspect of what I feel, of what I think, of what I believe, and what I'm doing. And God, God wants to give us spiritual wholeness because in that place, what you begin to realize is that God is being given access into those areas, and He can change you. And He can change your heart, and He can show you Jesus within your, your situation. 
And that's something I want to challenge you to realize when you read the Psalms and it brings up something uh, in you that's like unresolved and you're like, you know what, I'm, I don't want to kill anybody right now, but I sure, I, surely I want to like solve this issue in my marriage or I want to uh, bring pe- be a peacemaker with my boss or you have something that it stirs up. I want you to bring that to the Lord. And not bring it to him eloquently, but bring him the mess. God loves the mess. He doesn't just want to bless people that are perfect. He loves blessing your mess. Because he loves you and he delights in you. And so what I want to do this morning is take some time just to meet with God and and bring ourselves before him as we're, uh, in a way, consecrating ourselves to read the book of Psalms over the summer. Um, And so... What this is going to look like, Jeremy is going to come up and he's going to lead us in a song, uh, just an instrumental song, so we can just meet with God. Because one of the first places we want to go as a people of God is the is the God who loves us. Um, and what what I want you to to commit yourself to is is Jesus. I want to invite you into all of my life. I want you to change. Uh, the way I perceive you, the way I perceive prayer, and what I want it to be about. And I just want you to bring that before him, and maybe you have something that this is kind of stirring up, and I want you to take it to him. Uh, and how many of you know when you take something to your friend that's like you're carrying a burden and you tell somebody, you feel this weight, like you're released from the weight of what, what you've been carrying alone? And I just want to let you know when you share that with God, it's the same thing. He's there. He's present. He's real. He's available. He hears you. So when you bring it to God, He removes burdens. We cast our burdens on Him because He cares for us. And He's not like our friends. He's unlike anything in the world. Uh, he's better than your friend. He's better than anyone on your road right now. Uh, and that's comforting because uh, it's not on you to comfort somebody. God wants to comfort. He gave us His Holy Spirit so that He might comfort us might be with us in every situation. And so I just want you in your own way. I remember Jesus shared a parable of a sinner who was just beating his chest and saying in his, in his head, be merciful to me, the sinner. And maybe that looks like you this morning. Maybe you're just going to beat your chest in this time. Or maybe you're going to cry out and just ask God, would you come? God, would you meet with me? Maybe you just pour it out to him. And, and then after we do that, after we meet with God, we're going to meet with one another. We're going to have a prayer team come up and just pray with each other. That's what the, the privilege of being the people of God is, is to meet with God and meet with one another. And, and in a very real way, communicate the love of God to one another so that we might know how good he is, how great he is. And that, that's, that's the main area of praise. Like we, we get together and we sing songs because we have this expectation of the goodness of God that's in us. We want someone else to know about it. And we we, we propel one another into the presence of God. That's what's happening. When you hear the, the stories of the angels who are in heaven, and they're, they're saying, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, all, all these things, they're talking to one another. They're not talking to God. They're saying, do you see what I see? Do you see the King of glory? Do you see him? Do you worship him? Look at this. Look at this. And they're covering their faces and they're saying, look at this. Look at this. And, and that's what we get to do as the people of God when we praise. I don't know, anytime you've had a funny joke, 
You cannot contain it. You need to tell somebody so that they can experience what you're experiencing. That's what praise looks like. And that's what we get to do as a people of God is we get to help, encourage, and thrust each other into praise. Let's take some time before the war and then spend some time together to be a minister to.